You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Cheria Pitt is a force to be reckoned with. In 2011, she was competing in an ultra marathon. That's 100 kilometres if you've never done one. Um, and she was trapped by an out-of-control grass fire. That fire resulted in burns to 65% of her body and fears that she would not recover from her injuries. Fast forward nine years and she's a mum of two small boys, a best-selling author and mindset coach. Her latest book is called Happy and Other Ridiculous Aspirations. Turia, welcome to Feed, Play, Love. Oh, thank you so much for having me in that lovely introduction. My pleasure. Um, when did people start looking to you for advice on how to be happy? Uh, I think it's probably like a lot of questions that I've gotten over the past uh, decade, like close to a decade or so, and I get these questions from strangers in the street, uh, friends and family, people sending me a DM on Instagram. And I think uh, if I look into it, I think the question they're really asking is how I, how I'm so personally happy given everything that I've been through. And I, when I thought about that myself, I thought that was a really interesting question for me to answer. And I guess that's why I set out on this, this quest, so to speak, of finding out, well, is happiness something that we're just born with? Is it innate? Or is it something that we can work on, that we can improve? And if so, what are the steps or what are the strategies we can take to help us be just a little bit happier? Of course, it is something that people aspire to, this idea of happiness. Mm. Um, and you just touched on then that when people were asking you that question, they were reflecting on some really hard times that you had been through. How important are those dark times to your whole story? Oh, I think they are no matter what I do, they'll always be a part of my life. And I don't think we can, you know, with whatever experience life throws our way, whether we lose someone we love or we get a cancer diagnosis or we get trapped by a fire running in an ultramarathon, whatever our life experiences are, we can't really put them to the side and say to ourselves, okay, cool, I'm going to forget about that. I don't, I don't think uh, or at least I know for me it, it hasn't really worked like that. So I think that, that experience will always be a part of my life. It will always be a part of my story. But I also think that experience that I went through, that catastrophic experience that I went through, it did give me a lot of insight into how we can get through hard times, how we can be more resilient and how we can still find happiness and joy in our ordinary lives. You write in this book, it's very interesting because, um, of course, there is happy and then the strapline and other ridiculous aspirations, which does hint at the fact, as you say in the book, that the pursuit of happiness could be seen as a never-ending goal, like there's never an mm. end point. Mm. So with that in mind and with that attitude to happiness, how did you look at writing this book? Like what was your intention knowing that it could be like a never-ending pursuit? Yeah, I guess I, I wanted to be upfront with the readers and just let them know that, hey, you're never going to arrive at Happiness Train Station and go, yep, yeah, cool, I'm here, that's done. Um, it's kind of a, you know, 
and evolving beast and some days you might feel really happy and excited and motivated some days you might not you might be stressed or tired or anxious um, I want the reader to know that all of those emotions are very valid and very necessary for the human experience and I guess how I started you know putting all those thoughts down on paper I started to unpack what I'd learned from my own experience so for example one of the things I do every day is I practice gratitude for the things that are going really well for me in my life and what that does for me is it helps me to focus on the positives and that in turn helps me to build up a more positive and happier mindset so some of the stuff I wrote about I already knew about but other stuff I didn't know so much about or I found out more about as I wrote the book is there anything that you discovered in the book that really surprised you that you then went on to incorporate in your life or is there, I mean that might be a hard question maybe no. there was more than one <laughs> like there was heaps there's heaps there was heaps of things in the book um and again you know it's not necessary to do every single strategy I give in the book and make sure you implement them every night and have charts and star charts and wall planners you know, like make, make it easy for yourself just do one or two things see if it makes you feel better about yourself and your life if so then great job done but um one of the really interesting things i found was that making your bed actually impacts how our day goes and also how happy we are and that was oh, a 100 can see that well, that's, that's <laughs> revelatory to me because i'm someone who never made their bed i was like that's such a waste of time because i'm just going to be hopping back into it tonight so like <laughs> why would i bother but there's like there's a whole swathe of research out there about you know the psychology of why making your bed is important how it is a uh, keystone habit in that you know if we can make our bed then maybe we can drink two liters of water if we can drink two liters of water maybe we can go for a half hour walk if we can go for a half hour walk maybe we can you know sit down and do two hours of of writing um for the big project that we're working on so yeah i found that uh that tip in particular really revelatory um but it sounds like you already knew that it sounds like i'm preaching to the converted well that and um the value of good linen <laughs> a good a good sheet that you love looking at or a good quilt it just makes my day better every single day oh my god you know what i because i read when i was researching this book i read a book called make your bed it's by william mcgraven um he was an admiral admiral in the u.s navy um and then i went and bought linen sheet sets oh and I, I, I think i really do think it's like it makes my day better which is crazy, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, my whole adult life I've dreamed of having nice linen. So. <laughs> you have nice linen nice. now. Do you have nice linen now? I do. I do. I have a quilt that isn't quite unisex, but my husband bent to my will on it, and I think his life is better for allowing me to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to post a picture of it because it's very colourful. Um, <laughs> now, that's kind of an external element if I could move on to this part of the book because you talk about um, working out how to handle external elements so that we can be happier. So, you know, buy a nice quilt is my very facetious way of doing it. But um, external elements can, especially when you're a parent, can be very challenging such as a baby who never stops 
crying or who doesn't sleep very well. Mm. You have two very young children. Mm. How do you manage those kind of really unpredictable external elements? Yeah, I mean, those things are hard. And, uh, you know, there's a saying that I really like, you know, no matter how... no matter how you polish a turd, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's still a turd. So, like, you can try all this positive self-talk. You can try and put a positive spin on something. But if you're sleep-deprived, no amount of practising gratitude and making your bed and doing all of these things are going to really help you. Um, so I think if you are really sleep-deprived or if it's something you, you're really struggling with, I think people should really get help. Like, I saw a sleep consultant with my new little baby um it was life-changing just being able to you know get some solid nights or it's not solid get (laughs) get more get get more sleep I I found that for me was really good and I always say you know like when our car is broken we take it to a mechanic if our eyebrows need waxing we go to a (laughs) but like the same like if our baby's not sleeping you know friends and family are great but they might not necessarily have uh very good insight or very good advice on how to help you to get your baby to sleep so i would say like go see a sleep consultant if your baby is not sleeping i know for like general run-of-the-mill tiredness which which comes with just being a parent i always try and reframe my language because i found that when i first had hakavai here's my eldest son he's three he's well he's almost three years old um when I first had him, I was always telling myself that I had to do these things. Like I had to clean his room. I had to prepare his food. I had to give him a bath. And like by using that language, by telling myself I had to do all of these things, it was almost like I was resenting this beautiful, perfect baby little boy. And so then I started saying I get to, I get to give him a bath. I get to mm. feed him dinner. I get to be around and watch him as he gets older and and get to nurture him and be his, be his mum. And just by changing that language, like for me, it really shifted the focus from one of obligation to one of gratitude. So all of that to say, you can use that, you know, you can try and changing language and remind yourself that being a parent really is such an important, magical job. Um, it's the best job I've ever had in my life. But the second part of that is sometimes things are really hard and tough, especially when you've got a new little baby and if you are struggling with something or you're really sleep deprived go and see someone you can see a doctor you can see a psychologist or you can see a you know a sleep consultant the way you speak about language there is really interesting because um, I can totally see that switch from obligation to gratitude um, what about the negative self-talk that parents can have going on in their head um it can come from being really new at parenting and mm. thinking you've got you're doing everything wrong and everyone else is doing everything right and there's something wrong with you. Have you got any tips on how parents can try and mix that up a bit? Yeah, I guess like to to start with, I you know I really try and be as honest as I can be on social media about my parenting journey because it it does seem especially when you're a new mom and you've got a newborn does really feel like everyone else knows more about your baby everyone else is better informed and better educated and better able to make 
choices and decisions for your little baby. Um, so I, I try to be honest about, you know, my parent journey so far because it has been anything but but perfect. Some days, you know, some days I really magical and extraordinary and I'll feel like the best mum in the world. And then the next day I'll look at my watch and I'll think, oh, my God, it's only 7.30. How, how the hell am I going to get through today? That was 7.30. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think yeah, I always describe it as being contextual in that some days are great, amazing, other days are really hard and a bit more of a shit show. But I guess to stop that that negative self-talk in our heads, and you know, we're our own worst critics, especially, I think especially women and especially mm. mothers, we have this weight of expectation on our shoulders to, you know, be really good moms be great at our jobs, be an awesome friend and awesome daughter, give back to our communities, always look really well presented. And that that list sounds exhausting, you know. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to be all of those things all of the time. I think sometimes, of course, we can be really good mums. Maybe the next week we've got a really big project on at work and we can't give our kids our undivided attention and we might, surprise, surprise, bang them down in front of the TV and get pizza. Like I think you just got to be able to do what what you can do and what you can manage and just accept that not every day is going to be a really beautiful picture of of puppies and and sunflowers but mm-hmm. to stop to stop that inner critic in your head I always tell people to speak to themselves how they would speak to their kids because we would never speak to our kids in the way that we speak to ourselves so I think whenever you catch yourself berating yourself and being really down on yourself try and stop that try and stop that auto track and try and say okay what would I what would I say to my kid if they were in this situation and go from there self-love is also a super tricky thing to do at the best of times and you had to learn how to do this after your appearance had completely Mm. changed have you got any practical tips on how people can learn to love themselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like such a big question to unpack mm. in this interview. I think one of the things, wh- what I did anyway, was just taking really small baby steps. So, for example, when I, um, you know, I had to wear my mask for two years and then the time came for me, for me to take it off. And, of course, I was petrified and nervous and anxious and so, you know, what did I do? Did I did I take it off in front of thousands of people the very first time? No, of course not. I'm not crazy. I, you know, I took it off when a girlfriend would come over for a coffee. Mm. I took it off when I would go for a walk around the block. I took it off when I would drive in my car to a physio appointment. So I started really, really small and just really tried to focus on taking those tiny little baby steps which in themselves didn't seem that consequential, didn't seem that important, but over the long term they really allowed me to make, you know, really big mental shifts. But I think this idea of self-love, it's really important to unpack that we might not love ourselves all of the time and that's okay. We might not feel very confident in ourselves all the time and that's okay as well. And just because we love ourselves that doesn't mean that we're not allowed to also consider ourselves a work in progress 
and evolve and change as well. That's a really good point because I think when it comes to that idea of self-love, people, it's really confronting. It's a really hard concept to get your head around. And I think it's, it's interesting with mothers who are so good at loving their children and so good at loving others that turning that love back on ourselves is actually a challenging process it's so interesting yeah it is but like you know a foundation of self-love is to try and just talk to yourself in a more compassionate way and again that's just whenever you notice that you're starting to berate yourself or being really down on yourself try and stop that and say to yourself okay well what would I say to my son if he was in this situation Mm. and it's okay just to be sad sometimes and it's okay like you don't have to love being a mum all the time either right because that can be one of those critical things in your head like why aren't I enjoying this yeah of course and like you know it's kind of like when you can't get to sleep at night and then you get angry at yourself for yes. to sleep, and then all of a sudden you've just got like all of this rage just third in your body which is definitely not inducive to a good night's sleep so I think mm. you know if you feel something if you feel resentment at your kids or if you feel like you're having a shit day or you feel like hey surprise surprise you're not really enjoying your day with your kids to try and not berate yourself try and not question whether you're a good mother or not and just accept it and just acknowledge it and say I feel a bit shitty today with my family that might be because I didn't get a good night's sleep that might be because my partner and I had a fight this morning that might be because my toddler is really acting up at the moment. It doesn't say anything about your parenting skills or about you as a person. It's just what's happening today. Taria, it is a fabulous book. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. It was really great to speak with you too. That's Taria Pitch. Her book is called Happy and you can find a copy if you follow the links in the notes of this episode. <laughs>